All right, well, this morning, it is so good to be with you guys on this Labor Day weekend. Thank you for being here. I know there's lots of places you uh, could be this morning, but it means uh, the world to us. I know it means the world to God, just the fact that you would want to gather with his people, that you would want to worship him. And uh, today we're going to be wrapping up a series we've been in uh, the last handful of weeks called Who Told You That? And in this series, we have been talking about how we live in a world that is constantly pushing lies upon us. And it pushes lies about God, about ourselves, about others, and even uh, our, our purpose and our work and our value. And this morning, we're going, to, um, we're going to talk about that because we live in a very vocational-centric culture. And so we're going to talk about how oftentimes I think culture baits us into believing lies about work, about calling, and about purpose. Before we talk about that, I want us to take a quick moment. Some of you who are more introverted uh, are going to hate me for this moment, but it's going to be okay. It's good to talk in church. Maybe not all the time, but when appropriate things, this is going to be your invitation. So uh, I, I was thinking this week, uh, heading into Labor Day, preparing for this message, uh, about the, the blessing and also the weirdness of the many different jobs that I have been fortunate enough to have um, in my lifetime. And so uh, I started laughing, too, thinking about funny memories and things like that. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to take 60 seconds, one minute. I want you to find someone sitting close nearby you. If you've never met before, really quick, just introduce yourself, tell them your name. And then I want you to tell them either your very first job you ever had or the weirdest job that you ever had. All right, ready? One, two, three, go. All right, bring it back in. I hear lots of laughter. <laughs> I hope I didn't bring up any bad wounds for anyone. Um, anyone else say male model? Or just me? Never mind. Um, no. Um, no, I was thinking about work because I, I've had a wide-ranging um, work experience. I have had uh, jobs where growing up in Michigan, uh, we, we have a lot of snow, and we had this, the city of Greenville, Michigan had this tow rope. It was not like a cool thing like in skiing or tubing where you actually get to clip on, but literally was just this large rope that people had to hold on to while they're sitting in their sled. And I worked that job before. I've worked jobs where I worked at a thrift store for a little while. I've worked jobs where I changed adult diapers, which was an interesting experience in and of itself. But my very first job uh, was, one of, was a fun one. It's on brand for me if you've been hearing some of my story during this um, series is that I love basketball. 
And so my very first job is for the Department of um, like Public Works and all that sort of stuff. And um, they had a you know, youth basketball league in my hometown. This was before all the different like, schools had their own different leagues. And so when I was an um, eighth grader and then, uh, then you know, kind of through high school, I worked uh, on Saturday mornings refereeing um, elementary school age kids basketball. Now, these are the type of ones where um, the kids, it's just herding cats. There's not coordination. There's nothing like that. Yet, the parents still took it very, very seriously. Still maybe one of the most high-pressure jobs I've ever had in my life. This is one of those leagues where they're not keeping scores, yet you have coaches pacing out there. I once, true story, my last um, refereeing experience, uh, there was, I'm a senior in high school, and one of the coaches, it was a second grade girls basketball game in which they did not keep score. And uh, apparently in the first quarter, I made a call that he did not like. And so uh, he engaged with a conversation that would, uh, you know, maybe be fisticuffs in the parking lot afterwards. Um, We did not fight. I would have won, though, for sure. Um, I also would frequently have mothers who, like, they met well, but they would, like, why isn't he calling a, a foul? And it's like, your kid is tripping over his own feet. This is not my fault. This is your genetic foul. I'm sorry. Work with them. Uh, High-pressure job. But it, it's funny. Throughout all of this, maybe you also have had all sorts of different jobs, maybe even into adulthood, you've had multiple different careers. It's so interesting, right? Because since we live in such a kind of vocational, work-centric culture, there is so much about what we do that feels like it's our identity. Think about the last time that you have met a new person. My guess is probably within the first three to five questions, probably something has come up along the lines of, what do you do? And it becomes sort of this like epitome for like, when you tell me what you do, I'll know who you are. Which is not true, by the way, right? Because there are stereotypical things about certain work. How many of you have ever met a person where they tell you and you're like, really? Like, that does not feel like it fits you. Or, or maybe uh, after a while, you, you, you begin to reconnect on Facebook like with an old classmate and you're like, wait, you're a teacher now? That's wild. Or I would have never thought you would be an accountant or, you know, all those sort of things. And, and one of the things that's bad is we have so pigeonholed in, uh, into our brains that what we do is ultimately who we are. And ultimately, it determines our worth and our value. And oftentimes, we have bad stereotypes about like, well, these jobs and vocations and things like that make this person great and this one doesn't. Or, or this means if you are this type of worker, you're obviously this type of person. And I wonder if um, these are invitations that we are baited into believing more lies that ultimately lead to us not really viewing people the way that God views them, which is ultimately as his children, as masterpieces, as people who are far more than cogs and machine, who accomplish tasks and roles and things like that. And so this morning, what I, what I want to do is I, I want to focus in on, on just, uh, just three lies that I think we, we oftentimes can, can um, uh, find ourselves falling into the trap of believing when it comes to uh, both work and purpose. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to show you the lie, and, and it's going to look like different, you know, you might hear it in different forms, uh, but then we're going to talk about, you know, what is the truth? And so here's the first lie. Life would be better if I didn't have to work or have responsibilities. 
How many of you have experienced the, you're on a vacation, you are uh, on, on summer break or a school break, and, and in your mind you're just like, if I could just stay here forever, life would be so good. If you're a parent and you're on a kidless vacation, let's be honest, it's okay, you're among friends. But we think that, right? And there's so much in our mind where, where at times we, we almost have this like idol of like lack of responsibility, of not having to work. Like there is this, this idol. Every single one of us, I think if we're honest in here, like if someone came up and gave us $10 million today, like we wouldn't be sad about it. And uh, we may not be going into work the next day. Myself included. Sorry, just be honest. Might take a little break, okay? But... But here's the thing, it, it, there's also this piece where, and I, I've had conversations with people when they go into retirement, I've had conversations with people when it takes a while to find work, I've had conversations with um, students who are trying to figure out what they want to do after high school or after college, that oftentimes one of these things that creeps in though is this feeling of like something is missing. Because ultimately, as we're going to talk about one of the lies later, is that we are not just what we do. Our worth and value does not come from our work. There is this piece, though, where like we were created to have like this sense of purpose in doing things. If you have a Bible this morning, you can open up to Genesis. We've been hanging out there, Genesis chapter 1. Uh, we've been hanging out there a lot in this series because it's foundational. It's the very first book of the Bible. It's foundational to understanding just kind of life and who we are. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 1. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, if you remember Genesis chapter 1, you remember the creation narrative. It always starts with, with that God does work. He brings chaos to order. He, he creates. It's part of God's character. He is a creator. And at the end of every day, let's see if you guys can remember, at the end of every day, what does it say that it was? It was good. At the end of every single day, God creates all the different things. At the end of the day, he says it was good. And so when God created mankind in his image, by the way, he's like, this is like, I saved the best for last. This is very good, by the way. But he also, if you see it, in the very beginning, in the fabric of creation, when God was sitting back, because I, I think we have this false idea about like the Garden of Eden, right? I think there's part of us that's like, the Garden of Eden would have been awesome. I'm naked with my wife, there's food everywhere, and we're just chilling. But, at the very beginning, <laughs> my wife's not here this morning, so I can, it'll be fine. <laughs> Don't tell her to watch the live stream later. In the very beginning, they are given this command. This is before any of, uh, some of this other stuff we're going to read in a moment. In the very beginning, like, it's this fabric, like, part of you, what you're going to do is that you are going to bring order. You are going to rule over these things. I'm going to give you purpose in work, in job. And, and part of this is that you are going to reflect me. If you are my creation, you are going to reflect some of the things that I'm going to do. Genesis goes on 
in chapter 2, and it says this, by the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now again, we are to be reflections of our creator, of our father, of our God. God, God created, God worked. He gives us that mandate, that work that we're going to do this too. Again, it says this in Genesis chapter 2. We go down a little bit more to, to verse 15. It says this, God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So think about this. If we refer to the garden of Eden as paradise, as the perfect thing of God's like original design, don't get mad at me and don't get mad at God, but it was not just for us to like sit in a, a warm, sunny place with a fruity drink. Like literally in the beginning, God's creation for us was understanding this idea that you are going to have a purpose. You are going to work. You are going to do stuff. Now, later on, it talks about how work is harder. Maybe work was like really fun. Maybe God was kind of Tom Sawyering, uh, Tom Sawyering us and like it was like painting a white fence. But in the beginning, when God created all of this, it was this idea that work would be good. But here's the thing. One of the things that we forget in our culture is we've been so focused on work that we forget about this balance of rest. And here's the thing as followers of Jesus we must understand is that God created us to work and rest. The problem is often that we don't take serious the call to do both. And, and the hard part is the reality that we do not live in a culture or, or, or kind of a system that really values that. And so in speaking this, let me just be very clear. I understand everyone's situation is really um, difficult and different, but we have created a culture, and sometimes we've been okay with this culture of just like nonstop work, which is like awful, terrible for our bodies, terrible for our souls. And if we desire to be like Jesus, one of the things that we have to do is value this idea that we are both called to work, and it is not a bad thing. It is not something for us to dread. In fact, it's something that literally in our work, no matter what you're doing, whether you are a, a garbage man or a chef or a teacher or a pastor or whatever, that doing your job with kindness and goodness and excellence brings glory to God. And it also it is engaging into who you were created to be. Now, I'm not here to say the current job that you are doing is exactly what you're supposed to do. Don't. The idea that we are called to work and to rest is just a framework of what it means to be human. But, but oftentimes, the reason why so much of our lives gets chaotically out of wire is some of us, at some point, we stop working. And here's the thing. I'm saying this as a person, never been retired, never any of this sort of stuff, so don't, don't get mad at me. But, but there's a reality. I've had the chance to talk with lots of older, wiser people. And the people who I have met who live the longest, have the happiest lives, make the most impact, are people who find purpose to continue on in life serving others working in some sort of way. Now, I'm not saying if you're retired, don't take away from this message, I gotta go get a part-time job now, or I can't have fun anymore. That's not the message, but there is something about this that like, honestly, the idea of retirement that most of us have is a very like American dream-centric thing that does not come from scripture. 
I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there is something about every single one of us have been created to have purpose. We will feel the most alive when Jesus talks about that he's came to give us life and life more abundantly when we have meaningful things that we do in our lives. And here's the thing, even if you are a bound to a bed, physically you cannot do a lot, you're getting older, one of the things I always try to remind people is no matter what, you can pray. And prayer matters, and prayer is important. You can encourage others. There's always something that we can do, and we have to have our mindset set on this idea of doing something, not to earn anything, not to be like I have value, but to literally get to step in and be who God created us to be. And on the other end, some of us need to slow down, breathe. We need to rest. And when I talk about rest, I'm not just talking about like, hey, you need to go on a vacation, or hey, you need to have a little self-care time. Not hating on all those things, but so many of us do not take time to actually rest in God's presence. One of the beauties about this idea of Sabbath, of rest, is this idea that when we cease to do things, one of the things that we're reminded of is the fact that God loves us and wants to be with us, not because of the things that we do or the things that we can produce, that he just literally wants to be with us. And when we rest, it's also this act of obedience in faith that God will take care of us regardless. We have to take serious this idea that we are called to work and rest. Here's another lie that I find that people um, encounter often, that your vocation is your purpose or calling. Your vocation is your purpose or calling. Now, here's the reality. I, I understand. Some of you are like, well, no, that mine is, though. And, and at the end of the day, I, I get it. There are many of us who our jobs do align with some of our kind of larger purposes that we found or calling in our life, which is great. But the reality is, I, I work a job where it's this sweet spot where, right, like, I get to, to, to live out my, my highest beliefs and understanding. And at the end of the day, My identity still is not pastor. My purpose, my calling in life, ultimately is not to pastor a church. I love what I do. But the reality is, my my, my thing is actually that I am a child of God. Like That is my ultimate purpose in calling, to make disciples. But but again, we, we... All of this, when we we lead into this, it's a bad thing because vocation does not equal calling. It doesn't. Vocation does not equal our highest purposes. And vocation does not give us our ultimate value. Sure, it's awesome if we love our job, but so many people, one of the things they forget is like, work is not everything. Like, ultimately, at the end of the day, your work is not everything about who you are. In fact, I've met lots of people who work, work a job, they work a nine-to-five job that they, they don't mind, but in reality, it's kind of a means to an end to some of their larger purposes. To be a great parent, to be a great friend, to, to get to serve Jesus in other ways. But so many times we've like made this big deal, and vocation is great and it's important, but at the end of the day, it's not our biggest thing. And, and for those of us who desire, desire to follow Jesus and to surrender to him, ultimately our highest calling is to love God and love others and make disciples. 
at the end of the day, and the incredible thing is pretty much no matter what job you're doing, ultimately that still can be your number one priority. It can still be your end game. But those are things, because if we, if we go to Scripture, we, we, we have the, 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 the great um, uh, commandment and the great commission. The great commandment is this. Uh, it says this, a teacher uh, uh, is, um, is asking Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two. This is what we call the great commandment. This is the big thing. If you want to know, how, how do I get into heaven? How do I do all these things? Just do these things. Love God, love people. You cannot do one without the other. But like that is your highest calling. Sure, that's awesome if you have a great vocation, work that you love. But at the end of the day, if we choose to follow Jesus, and that's true for me. And honestly, I've, I've met with tons of pastors too who honestly can be really good at the work that they do at church and still miss out on this. Because ultimately, guess what? Even if you're doing a job like this, your work that you are doing is not a substitute for having a deep relationship with Jesus and loving other people. And it's the same for any career, any sort of thing. And then the great commission, this great commandment that we're given to Jesus right before he's heading into heaven. This comes from Matthew chapter 28. He says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. At the end of the day, our greatest purpose our greatest things that we really can quote unquote accomplish in this world. Because here's the thing, you don't get to take your money with you when you die. You don't get to take your accomplishments. It does not matter if you got employee of the month a thousand times. You don't get to take that to heaven. God's not gonna be like, here, I got this place where you can put all these trophies. What God does talk about when he talks about this idea of treasure in heaven has so much to do with how we treat and love others about how we actually trust in him. Vocation is great, and it can call us to great purposes. But, but for many of us, I believe God will give unique and specific callings that may not align with your, with your career choice. Some of you may have a huge calling to go love homeless people, and it has nothing to do with your job. Some of you may be called to, 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 to love and serve the next generation, and you're not a teacher, and that is okay, and that is great, that is good. But do not believe this lie that ultimately, even if you have a vocation that really does feel like it has this high calling, do not allow that to be your complete identity. At the end of the day, God doesn't just see you and be like, good job, you're there. He sees you as his kid whom he loves, and he desires nothing more than for you to just get those, those couple things to love him, to love others, and to make disciples. Here's this last lie that oftentimes we believe about our, our work and vocation, that my value is based off what I do and what I produce. From a young age, we can feel this, right? We, we know what it's like to bring home the test score, <laughs> and when it's, you know, the early alphabet, mom and dad are excited, and if you're like me, it was the, the other part of the alphabet, uh, wasn't as much uh, fanfare. Uh, 
So many of us work for other people's approval. Some of us, maybe it's a father wound. Maybe it was a mom who just wanted them to be like, we're great, you're beautiful, all of those sort of things. And I want you to hear from the Lord today that like he could care less about your accomplishments. Like he's, he's glad that you, you can do great things. He, he, he has created you with all of these different gifts and things like that. Of course he, he loves to see you succeed, but at the end of the day, like you are loved because you are created in his image. Like he sent his son to die for you not because he's like, well, in the third grade, they're going to win the spelling bee. At some point, they're going to finally make partner at their firm. They're going to get this promotion. Those are great things. But at the end of the day, they're not eternal things. And God doesn't look and he's be like, it's not like this you know, Christmas card that God's writing where he's like, and we've all gotten one of those Christmas cards, right? Where it's like, I think we know who the favorite is because they keep writing big old paragraphs about all their accomplishments. And then it's like, and Aaron is still alive. (laughs) Period. It's not like that. Like at the end of the day, like I I truly think like if God had like buddies, like that he could be like, hey, let let me get out my wallet and show you these pictures. Like you would be in his wallet. And to be honest, he could care less about the great accomplishments that you'd have. He would just be like, you got to see how she's like me. You wouldn't believe how kind she was to someone this week. You wouldn't believe how much he persevered through, uh, through some adversity because he trusted me. Like those are the things ultimately that God is excited about to see in you, the reflection of him. It's not your accomplishments, it's not your bank account, it's, it's none of the status things. It's ultimately about things like the fruit of the Spirit. He is pumped when he can be like, you would not believe the self-control they had. Because ultimately, just like a parent, he wants to say like, that's my kid. Like, you see him in me? In Ephesians chapter two, Paul says this. He, he reminds us again about just like how good God is and how much he doesn't really care about us trying to work or earn anything. He says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is a gift from God, not by work so that anyone can boast. For we are God's handiwork. You're his creation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. There's literally nothing that any one of us in this room could do to make God love us any more or any less. In, 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 in Romans, it, it talks about how like before, uh, before like we were, while we were still sinners, like before the creation of everything, God sent Jesus, he knew he was gonna send Jesus for us. Not because of anything we could accomplish, not because of anything we could earn, but because of his great love. Praise God. You see, God doesn't look at us as an employee he sees us as his child. He doesn't look at, it, look at us as like the employees of, of God's church, Incorporated. He's not ready to have a performance review for you. If anything, he's probably ready to have a little sit down as a father to a child. And he wants to speak words of, of maybe correction, but I bet ultimately of hope and of peace and of, of grace and of joy and a reminder ultimately that every single one of us are gonna mess up. 
yet every single one of us are forgiven. And every single one of us are probably going to default back to trying to earn some sort of bit of our grace and our salvation. He's going to say, stop it. It's already covered. Just trust me fully. Lean into this identity that you are my child of God. And so as we're going to close out today, uh, we're going to sing one last song. But, but I'll leave you with, with just kind of two um, final thoughts, uh, especially thinking about some of the lies that we believe in, in our culture. Because we, we like, hustle has become like this, like the ultimate thing. Like, think about it. We love talking about, like, man, they're awesome. They just are always hustling. When, when we talk about, like, workers at, like, like, there has never been a company who's probably, like, you know what? I love how much Aaron always takes his PTO. Like, it is awesome. He never misses a lunch break, takes care of himself all the time. No. It's always, like, man, they worked extra hours, dogged things. Like, yeah. Which is great. Hard work is a, is a great thing. I'm not saying it's not, but here's the thing. I think God cares more about your heart than he does about your hustle. Jesus once said, what what good is it to gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? Ultimately, God God is way more concerned, he's way more interested in your heart than your hustle. He doesn't need you to do things for him, especially if you're not gonna be with him. One of the painful lessons of my sabbatical for me as I was having my own intimate kind of conversations with God, which is, is, is me letting you in because we're friends, is, is what good is it if you're a good pastor but a terrible follower? Like what good is it if, if, if you can preach a great message, if you can, you know, build a church, uh, but, but it feels like I hardly know you? And for me, that was a big like heart check of like... I, Honestly, I would rather have this deeply intimate relationship with Jesus and pastor a church of five people. And of course, like, out of the right things, good things can happen. Don't get me wrong. But there's this thing where, like, we can't try to constantly earn things. We sometimes just need to trust that he's good, that he's got us, and spend time with him. And the hard part is sometimes being still and knowing that he's God can feel lazy. It can feel like, oh, I didn't achieve or accomplish something. But we've got to practice doing it. And here's, here's the last thing. We cannot work our way into the kingdom. If, if you come from an achiever mentality, this one's going to be painful for you, right? Because your whole life you've been all about how do I do the extra credit? How do I stay extra hours? And here's the thing. There's not something, you don't, there's not a VIP section in heaven. There's not an extra tiered system. That's like the beauty of grace, right? The, the, the amazing thing about it is it's for all of us and none of us deserve it and none of us earn it. And, and as Jesus told the parable once about the workers, right? He, he tells this story about how there, there were workers who were in the field all day and there were workers who came at the very last hour and they all got the same thing. You don't have to work your way into heaven. You don't have to work your way into the kingdom. The invitation is readily there for you. The big question for every single one of us is are we actually gonna trust him when he says it's right here for us? And will we actually take it? This morning as we're gonna sing one last song, I hope that maybe uh, today, maybe is your day to choose to take him up on that invitation. To trust him, to surrender to him, to, to just acknowledge the fact that on your own, you're doomed to set aside the sin and the shame, the lies that this world has told you, and to step into his truth.
And as we think about as we'll leave this place, would we be reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or 1 Corinthians chapter 10, when he says this, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Every bit of what we do, would we just do it to the glory of God, to reflect him, to point others to him, but ultimately to be reminded that in every moment of our life, even the mundane moments, he is with us, he is for us, he loves us. I'm gonna ask you guys to go ahead and stand with me, and we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna sing one last song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. And uh, Father, we are grateful for the fact that you have given us a sense of um, purpose and, and a sense of um, opportunity to reflect um, who you are. Father, it's a privilege to, um, to work and to, to reflect um, what you created us to be and do. And Father, it's also a privilege and a blessing to rest to trust you, to be reminded that we are not our work, that you love us not for what we achieve, but for who we are, and more importantly, whose we are, which is yours. Father, this morning, I pray that maybe for some, this may be the first time for them uh, to fully just surrender and trust you, that they would realize that, 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 that they don't have to get themselves all cleaned up to come to you, that they just come straight to you to seek your forgiveness, uh, and Father, to experience your grace. Father, for some of us, maybe we need to uh, have a long, hard look in the mirror to realize that maybe for some of us, we need to slow down. For some of us, maybe we need to find new senses of um, purpose and mission. Father, whatever it is you want to say to us in this moment, would you speak to us as we sing this song? And Father, would you give us the confidence and the strength to follow after wherever you call? To Jesus' name I pray. Amen.